Welcome. Welcome, listeners, to Functionally Speaking, a podcast more adequate to the challenge of the human condition. I'm your host, DJ Moran, and thanks for joining me on this episode. In today's interview, I talk to Ingrid Ord, the author of a book titled Act with Faith, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy with Christian Clients, a Practitioner's Guide. Check out the link to her book on the podcast website. Ingrid and I discuss how she came to the acceptance and commitment therapy work as a Christian, how Christians can be assisted by ACT even though sometimes they're heeded not to seek professional counseling. And we also talk a little bit about my work with SNAP, the Survivors Network for Those Abused by Priests, and about a quote from Matthew's Gospel and how it is ACT consistent. So, check it out. I'm joined by Ingrid Ord, who wrote Act with Faith, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy with Christian Clients, a Practitioner's Guide. Welcome to the show, Ingrid. Thank you, Daniel, and thank you for asking me. Yeah, happy to do it. So I'm really interested, what was your inspiration for writing this book? Well, in short, my life. Um, I became a Christian in 1986 and was very perturbed by the help that I received when I I had a very turbulent life after that, not of my own doing, but just events. And it became very clear to me that certainly in my experience, and I write from my experience with regard to churches and Christians all the time because we're a very diverse bunch and I don't want to offend anybody. But in my opinion, in my experience, uh, I didn't receive help that helped me. Okay. And in fact, I learned a whole lot of rule-governed behavior and became extremely introverted and afraid of speaking out my okay. mind. Okay. And then writing a book about, uh, about this topic, um, that really shows quite a change then. It's been a journey. And I was looking for uh, something that could help me. And when I discovered ACT in 2002... It was as if I'd hit on the Holy Grail. It really was hmm. wonderful. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that. What do you mean by, you know, finding the Holy Grail? Well, I went to a talk by Steve Hayes at an incredibly boring conference, <laughs> and it was as if the light went on when I heard him speaking about rule-governed behavior, and I thought, that's me. Okay. And so I set about Learning Act with a 99 book, which was a complete failure for me. Okay. I just couldn't understand a word. Okay. And then at 2006, Worldcon in London, and I really started finding out what ACT was about, learning how to do it, met up with Robin Walser, asked her to be my supervisor, and I've never looked back since then. That's great. That's really great. I appreciate hearing that kind of history. It seems like people do at first, especially if they're doing it solo, at first, uh, struggle with learning what acceptance commitment therapy is all about, but it sounds like your journey has been fruitful. Yes, it certainly has. Good, good. and having Robin as a supervisor, I'm sure, was very helpful as well. It was extremely helpful. Her style is one that uh, I can identify with. Good, good. She's a great person. She's the person yeah. who I became uh, friends with in the ACT community back in 94, and uh, and I remember just hanging out with her at conferences and really having a, a feeling of welcomeness into the ACT community at that time. 
That's wonderful. She is very consistent in her behavior and her attitudes. Absolutely. So tell me, how did you choose the content for your book, Act with Faith? Well, when I started learning ACT, I started correlating what I learned with the Bible, where it did correlate. I started a habit in 1987 of reading the Bible through once a year from beginning to end like a book. Okay. And I found it to be uh, just absolutely fascinating. I read different versions. And as I read it and learned various things through my own experience with ACT, I saw it coming out in the pages of what I was reading. And I was wondering, why are we not being told these things? Why has nobody ever told me this before? Okay. And I want to be the person who will be telling it. Okay. I'm sure I'm not going to be the first or the last, but I want to be part of that team. Well, what was striking? What are, what are the things that you're talking about insofar as, you know, why is nobody telling us this? What, what specifically? Well, take, for example, in Matthew and Mark, there are verses about uh, don't, don't worry about the future. That will take care of itself. Every day has got enough worries of its own, okay. i.e. living in the present moment. And although that was often preached from the pulpit, I was never actually given a way of doing it. I've always suffered from anxiety. Okay. I, I don't anymore, by the way, a lot. Great. Um, and... Um, so I didn't know how to do this. Okay. And suddenly I found mindfulness and I didn't have any preconceptions about it because I knew nothing about it. Okay. And then I realized, hang on, Christians could have lots of preconceptions, misconceptions about this before they even try it. Right. So I set about finding out what does the Bible have to say and what is the truth in terms of church history and I hesitate using the word truth because that was another stumbling block for me initially was the pragmatic truth criterion. And there are aspects of ACT which I could see as I used it that were going to be potential problems for, let's say, clergy who are very busy and don't have the time to study it. They'll pick up something like the pragmatic truth criterion and they'll, it'll turn them off. Right, right, right. Okay. I imagine that we could help clients and train people in acceptance and commitment therapy without having to beat them over the head with a pragmatic truth criterion, right? Yes and no, because I think that that in itself makes ACT an extremely suitable therapy for Christians to go to any therapist whatsoever, whether they are Christian or not. Mm-hmm. Because that is one of the problems that the established churches have with psychology. There are many of them, but I'm speaking of the cuff here. And that is that if um, somebody is sent to a psychologist, psychiatrist, mental health professional who is coming at it from a worldly point of view, is this church person going to get the wrong kind of guidance hmm. in their life? And uh, clergy are very sensitive about that issue. Okay. So I know when I sought help earlier in my life and asked my pastor about it and so on, I was always advised to make absolutely certain that the person is a Christian and not to go to anybody who is not. Right. I definitely understand that aspect of it. Uh, my family goes to a particular kind of church and um, they know what I do for a living. And every time I say, well, if there's somebody in you know, the congregate that needs some assistance... Um, you know, send them, send them our way. You know, if they have obsessive compulsive disorder or depression and they say, do you do Christian counseling? I go, 
well, no, I, I don't do Christian counseling. <laughs> and they say, well, then we can't send them to you. And I say, do you, do you have to be a Christian in order to be a surgeon or a dentist for the people in this congregate? I mean, can't I also apply science and uh, evidence-based approaches to help people with suffering? Do, you, do I have to have the same religious beliefs? So I definitely understand uh, you know, where you're coming from. Some people who are going to make referrals will require um, that uh, you do some kind of Christian counseling. I understand that perspective that you're bringing up. But it, I do find that it's very useful when I speak to pastors and to Christians to say to them, look, I work from a values point of view, and the person who's in the room, that's whose values are important, not mine. So I can work with a Muslim, a Buddhist. I can work with anybody of any persuasion because their values are what is important when right. they are in the room. Absolutely. Right. Good. Good, good. I appreciate you uh, to clearing that up and saying that as well. Yeah, good. Thank you. What specifically in the Bible do you think dovetails very nicely with acceptance and commitment therapy? I think, uh, first of all, can I give you some verses, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, which to me describes acceptance and commitment therapy please completely. Do. Yeah, please do. So it starts off with, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? And that's uh, present moment awareness. And uh, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's changing the perspective of self. So that it's not rule-governed, uh, but you see yourself as the Bible talks about you being without judgment. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. That's acceptance. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's diffusion. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Values. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Commitment. Interesting. And uh, that is from the Bible. Who wrote that? Matthew, one of the uh, one of the disciples. Matthew. Okay. I'm just wondering what what is the Bible verse and chapter and verse? Matthew. It's it's Matthew 11, uh, verse 28 to 30. Interesting. Okay. And you now use... that is, that is from the Message Bible, which is not necessarily accepted by all, but it's the same in whatever version. Right. The Message. I'm familiar with yeah. with that and uh, and people's conversations about the Message interpretation. Mm. Interesting. Well, I appreciate that. Do you use that in your therapy with folks who are Christian? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes. Um, so if somebody is stuck on acceptance, and, you know, I have one lady, and she will continually say, you know, this is happening, that's happening, why is it happening to me? I shouldn't have to live this kind of life. And I say to her, walk with me and work with me, watch how I do it, as a cue back to our previous conversations where I would have said to her that, you know, we, ha we are in a relationship with Jesus and look at his life. It was far from easy. And he's asking you to walk with him and accept willingly what you're learning from suffering. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, good point. I have a particular issue that uh, I've, I've worked with uh, a number of times. I... I have a uh, intersection of referrals. I, I get referred to a lot because of my background in using um, acceptance commitment therapy and exposure and ritual prevention for folks with obsessive compulsive disorder. In addition yeah. to that, 
I work for the Survivors Network for those abused by priests. Snap. I'm not a survivor myself, but I know a lot of folks who, uh, who are. And I've worked in treatment uh, with clients that get referred to me from the Survivors Network for those abused by priests. The phrase that comes up in the Bible in therapy with me a lot over the last you know, 10, 15 years is, is when someone says, and it is Matthew, when someone says, you know, somewhere in the Bible it says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So some people get scared off about the idea of the fact that just having thoughts is the sin. I know it's a challenging issue, but I'm just wondering your perspective on something like that. It is challenging, and it's something that, I've, that I have worked on quite a bit, in fact, okay. is the context within which words are said. As functional contextualists, it's not surprising that, when, uh, that we encourage someone to look at, okay, if you're going to follow a rule, if you're going to look at what somebody else has said, look at the context in which they said that. And that particular thing was said by Jesus when he was comparing the behavior of the Pharisees and saying that, you know, you are so rule bound. And he actually called them the sons of hell. You're, you're making other people twice the sons of hell that you are by putting these tiny, minute little rules and regulations on them. Hmm. Whereas we are now free to live by the grace of God. That's what he was saying. Hmm. So that verse taken out of context can create a lot of suffering certainly as can romans 12 verse 2 be it's actually be transformed by the renewal of your mind but people see it they read it as be changed you know change your mind get rid of your thoughts okay so So that's actually part sorry sorry can i just say this that that is one of the tools that i have put in my book for people who are not christians is it is easy to get a downloaded program of various christian translate of various bible translations point your client towards the context in which that particular thing was said there are search engines you can find it read six verses before that verse and six verses after and it will help diffuse the the impact of that verse on them. Right. Even the devil can cite the Bible for his own purposes. It was, it was Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. We have to. Uh, we have to realize that. Um, yes. Because if we just take it out of context, um, yes. Really, what what's going on in the Bible can be twisted and uh, and actually lead to some kind of suffering or problem or argument. And be used as abuse. Yeah. Right. I'm, you know, I'm interested that that's what you work with, because in a roundabout way, that seems to have been what I've been working with most of my life, is the abuse, the spiritual abuse that people suffer at the hands of experts. Yeah, right. Yeah, we have to be very wary of that. Tell me a little bit more about your book. Well, um, I collected quite a number of verses. I initially collated them with the six processes, and as I did that, I started to see that it was a tool that could be used for people. So I, first of all, published it on the ACBS website. And then I thought, well, actually, I need to explain to some people why I think these verses are relevant. And then also there were, as I said, aspects of ACT that I think can be misinterpreted and turn people away. 
So I decided to put all of that down and just write and right. uh, uh, and make it ready as a resource for people who were working with Christians and came across puzzling things like the verse you were telling me about right. and the aspects of working with Christians. It can be very, very difficult. Right, right. Good. So this tool that people could have, Act With Faith, is, is I think, going to be very helpful um, in assisting clients that have a Christian background and especially might be suffering because of their misinterpretations. Yes, and I also want it to become a, a tool to help accomplished therapists to realize that the ACBS is actually a safe place for Christians. Yeah, I would imagine that 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 meets out. I think that uh, the ACBS is pretty welcoming of of every background in general. Yes, but they but Christians can be very strange people, okay. uh, and they pick up things, and it can turn them off very easily. Yeah, gotcha. And they will hear something. Okay, I've already said the pragmatic truth criterion, but just hear a therapist in a role play say, "Does that work for you?" And they'll be gone. Yeah. Got it. And so you think that uh, your book addresses that kind of concern? Yes, okay. I do. Great. I do. There were two pastors at in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and I gave them each a book and asked them for their opinion in terms of did they have any concerns? And one of them said that that would have been his last contact with the ACBS if he had not read my book. Wow. No kidding. No kidding. I was I was blown away. Yeah. I really was. Hmm. Glad that he read your book. So am I. <laughs> so am I, because, you know, 90% of what I'm trying to do is to provide help for Christians who desperately need it. Right. You know, one of the most astounding things to me is that the figures, the stats for stuff like suicide, um, etc., is no different for Christians. In fact, the divorce statistics are higher. No kidding. Yeah, certainly in this country. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you were able to take the approach of acceptance commitment therapy and blend it into a a process, an approach uh, that would be helpful for folks that might resist acceptance and commitment therapy because of some of the phrases they might hear. If you recontextualize um, the ACBS approach into a Christian approach, then hopefully there will be a meeting of the minds and we can actually help people who are suffering from some kind of psychological concern um, with acceptance commitment therapy, even if they have a Christian background. Yes. Right. That, 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 that might set them up to resist it. Good. Very good. You also have uh, a CD called Mindfulness and Christian Meditation. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, that's where I first started with it sort of led organically into the book because I noticed that with 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 Christians especially, they noticed a spiritual component to mindfulness. And in fact, as I spoke with them and said to them that it had enhanced my prayer life and I felt as if I could actually communicate with God, whereas for years I had not been able to because my mind's too busy and so on. And people really seem to warm to this, and 
then they would say to me that they had my voice in their head when they were trying mm-hmm. to do it at home. Right. And I was asked to make the CD, so basically I did. Awesome. Really awesome. Yeah, I understand the struggle that some folks uh, with the Christian background might have with meditation because of the um, Eastern philosophy ornamentation that it typically carries with it. Um, I was uh, the graduate director at Valparaiso University, which is uh, in the middle of the United States, surrounded by cornfield. It's also a Christian university. And I was teaching ACT to my graduate students, and I think it was, it was, it was about 15 years ago at this point, um, so I've learned to not make this mistake. I was teaching meditation with a, a specific Eastern flavor, and so many of my students who were there to get their master's in counseling, and they wanted to be Christian counselors, were resistant to yes. mindfulness and meditation, because I was adding all these accoutrements to the therapy as if it had to be done in some kind of Buddhist, Taoist, Eastern philosophical way. But there's a reality that, you know, you can have a secular mindfulness. You can also have Christian meditations that could be helpful for folks. Absolutely. And that is what I put in the CD and also in uh, appendix to my book, which is a handout for clients to get informed consent for mindfulness, to give them the complete background that it is actually from Christian tradition from the earliest days. And the Bible is replete with terms referring to meditation. So I've given the different interpretations of what they are and where they are and so on. It's impressive what you've done, what you've put together is very impressive. You've done a remarkable job, and I really think it was filling a gap in the ACT literature to be able to have a book about Christian faith. And so I think it's really remarkable that you've done such a great job with it. Thank you, DJ. Ingrid, I really appreciate you joining me today. Um, I want to tell folks that if you want to learn more about uh, Ingrid's approach, check out ACT with Faith, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy with Christian Clients. It's a practitioner's guide. Ingrid, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, DJ. Take care now. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. It's a nice message. I'm glad to have heard Ingrid's perspective on ACT and the Bible, and to know that there are professionals working in this space. It was frustrating to hear her talk about the fact that ACBS might be off-putting to some people of faith. I can take a perspective of why that might be, and I'm super jazzed that people like Ingrid are helping to expand the diversity of our organization. So, if you're interested, check out her book, Act with Faith. Thanks so much for listening.